You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. It's good to be back. I uh, was down in South America in Brazil visiting my parents, and I, uh, I uh, was down there for five days, and the other two days I was commuting. And yeah, so I, I left on uh, last Wednesday, uh, got there Thursday night, and spent the weekend with my family. I hadn't seen my uh, brothers, my siblings, and my sister for six years in person. We see each other on, on, on the internet and uh, FaceTime and stuff. But uh, I hadn't seen them in person. They're, my brothers are in their 40s now, so it was funny to see them in their 40s. And uh, my nephew, my niece, and it was nice to spend time with family. Sunday was my, uh, my uh, mom's birthday. And then uh, my mon- by Monday, I was ready to come home. Celebrated her birthday. I was like, I, I miss my wife so much. I missed her very much. I kept telling her, babe, I wish you were here. I'm not built for this. And she was like, she was teasing me via text message saying, you're there on vacation eating all the foods. I'm here grinding, grinding and, and, and hustling and bustling. And I was like, babe, I could be in the nicest resort in the world. Without you is no vacation. My man. <laughs> the, the, the birds are just making noise. The trees are just there. But when you're with me, it's a symphony. The rustling of the leaves are a poem. Praise the Lord. I miss my daughters too. I miss my daughters too. It was, uh, yeah. So, but I, I, I accumulated some miles and was able to buy a ticket for $68. So it behooved me to go down there. And it took me 28 hours to get down there. And 23 hours to come back. So if you commute to the city, I feel your pain on Thursdays and Fridays. On the way back from the city. I'm pretty much sure that I felt your pain there commuting back and forth. Um, But I had uh, thought about the message that I'm about to share with you about two weeks ago. I felt like God was downloading something in my heart and something that, that's practical, that's useful uh, for you and I uh, here. But uh, having gone down there, I realized that a lot of the things that I was thinking about and meditating for today were lessons that I learned from my father, were things that I saw him uh, practice in his life. And it was an emotional trip because I got to visit some sites and see some things that I wanted to do that connected me back to the beginning of my life. It's always important for you to know where you come from so that you know where God is taking you and you realize that it's really a miracle what God is doing in every one of our lives. You might be connected to the day-to-day grind, but think about where you've been and where God has brought you from and imagine where He can take you. My God, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing, uh, an amazing journey that we are on this, in this life. So I got to visit the place where I was born. I visited the hospital where I was born. I actually tried to be a weirdo and go into the room that I was born. And they were like, well, we don't do births anymore here. We only do sur- surgeries and we can't let you in, sir. 
And I was like, well, Bethesda Hospital, I love you very much. <laughs> and I got to visit my grandmother's graveyard. I wasn't there for her burial. So, you know, all her prayers for my life. The last time I saw her was in 2012. I had gone down there by myself and she was already in her 90s. And she was forgetting things. She couldn't quite make it who I was when I walked in the room. She didn't really remember if I was married or not, if I had any kids or not. And I kind of reminded her that I was the third of her uh, uh, second daughter. And, uh, but the moment I knelt down and she prayed for me, she laid her hands on me. It's like clarity came to her mind and her spirit. And she started calling out my name, my wife's name, my daughter's name. She remembered my daughter's name. She had never met them. And started speaking life into it and speaking, uh, praying for us. We hadn't even moved here yet. But she was speaking into salvation and praying for the people that we were to touch. And, uh, um, and you know, and I, I see that come into fruition now. All the prayers. She's gone, but the, the words are still alive. The words are still here. And so I, I was thinking about all that and thinking about what I'm about to share with you. And realized that since it's Father's Day, I might as well mention that these are lessons that are learned from my dad and this is stuff that that came down from my family so today I want to talk to you on the subject covered by honor it's the title of the message covered by honor and honor is something that we are familiar with we hear about honor and it's typically framed under uh, the the application of accomplishments we typically think of honor when we think of accomplishments somebody is conferred honor when they study hard they graduate with honors or somebody receives honor uh, when they achieve something when they have a life achievement they could be honored for it with an award or a recognition we also understand honor to be the quality of a person Honor can be a character quality in someone. Somebody who values honor is somebody who values what's right and stands by what's right. You see that clearly in the culture of our military. If you, if you know anybody who serves in any branch of the military, you know that they are, they are ingrained. They are taught to value honor. To do what's right because it's right. To stand by what's right and to fight for what's right. That's honor. And that, those are values that are also encouraged by the scriptures. Those are Christian values that we are to defend and stand by. We are to live a life that's honorable in that sense as well. Just a couple of scriptures to give you a little bit of context to this application of honor. We... we uh, see Peter talking to the followers of Jesus and he says this in chapter 2 verses 11 through 17. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, I'm reading from the NLT version, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. This was really hard for them to do. If you think it's hard to honor the president now while holding people accountable in government, it was really, really hard back then to uphold this. And he continues, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free. 
yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Paul also wrote in Romans and he said, Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Happy Father's Day. Talking about taxes today. <laughs> I'm kidding. So that application of honor is an application that we are encouraged to live through as well and to live in our lives. But there's a third way of looking at honor. And that's the, 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 the way that I want to focus on today. I didn't want it to just bypass the other two because they are important too. There's a third application of honor that's really important for us. And I don't think it's lost as far as its definition. I think that we are familiar with it. But we could probably all agree here that it's the application of honor that we practice the least. And I'm talking about honor in a way that it relates to others, especially those closest to us. Honoring the people around us. Honoring those that we know well. This is a vital and this is a fundamental principle. And if you're not someone who is used to honoring people, if you're not someone who you've been taught like I have to honor people, to esteem people, this might be a missing ingredient in your life. And this might change, just change every single relationship that you are currently in for the better. This principle can change your marriage for the better. This principle can change your relationship with your, with your parents, with your mom, with your dad. This principle can change your relationship with your kids. It can change your relationship with your coworkers, those close to you. If you can apply this and if you can embrace this for your life. This is, we've been calling this the year to advance. And this is a principle that will cause you to advance in your relationships. If you feel like some of your uh, relation, relational areas are paralyzed, that, you, that you've been paralyzed and hindered in the relationship area, it could be that you're missing this ingredient. Especially if you're somebody who you find yourself getting into attrition with others without even trying. If you find yourself getting constantly misunderstood without even trying. And you just chuck it to, you know what, they just don't get me. I'm just going to live my life. Maybe you could take a step back and in kindness look at your life. That might, that it may be possible that you are missing this ingredient in your life. And if you apply it, if you learn to live with honor, to treat others with honor. It can really, really change your life. So before I get into the practicals, let me, let me share here what honor does and what honor does not. So what does honor do? Honor respects and esteems the other. Honor respects and esteems somebody else. Honor places somebody else's value above their shortcomings. You esteem the person above their mistakes. Honor gives more attention and importance to what someone is doing right than to what they're doing wrong. It doesn't mean that you dismiss it. It just means that you esteem them and you respect them. Now, this is what honor does not. This is important to highlight too. Honor does not flatter. And that's a big distinction that is important for us 
to make. There's a big difference between honor and flattery. Now the adjectives that the person uses might be the same. The words that they use when they're talking to you, the person that's honoring and the person who is using flattery, they might even be the same, but the heart behind it is completely different. The, the, the intention behind it is completely different. And I really encourage you to, this is a homework for you here, I really encourage you to study the difference between honor and flattery. Especially if you're a leader, especially if you're a manager, especially if you have a team that works for you, or if you have your head of household, or if you have somebody that you are over, that you, that you supervise. Really study the difference between honor and flattery. It'll, it'll do you good. Pay attention to other people. Pay attention to how they behave. Pay attention to yourself. How you use your words and the intention behind them and, and learn if, if you are actually being honoring or just using flattery. Here's a big difference. Flattery focuses its motivation on the self. It's important for us to learn how to differentiate the two. Because there are some people that will come to you with self-interest and they will see you as an accessory for them to get to where they want to go. You're a launch pad. You're somebody who can give them access to something else. And they will come with words and smooth talk simply because they want something for themselves. But then there are the others, other people, who are actually genuine. And they are not just coming to you because they want something for themselves. They actually care about the vision, the mission, the project, whatever you are, your goal, whatever you are doing in your house, in your job, in your company, in your division. They are coming to you because they're interested in linking arms and actually doing uh, the right thing because of honor. So flattery is not honor. Flattery has self in mind. Flattery, it pleases the person for self-interest. This is what the scripture says about flattery. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 23 says this. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Another passage Elihu, uh, Job's friend, said this, I will not show partiality to any man or use flattery toward any person, for I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. The other word, in other words, he's saying, the, sooner, the, 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 the moment I, I need to use flattery to get ahead, it's all over. It's all done. That's when I know that things are done. God might as well take me home. Flattery is not something that is valued in scriptures and is not something that we should use. There's a big difference there between flattery and honor. See, honor is never psychophantic. You know that person who, who is always kissing up to their supervisors because they want to weigh in? It's clear to everybody else, but they think that nobody sees what they're doing. That's psychophantic behavior. That's somebody who's trying to use their words to get something for themselves. But it's really just manipulation through flattery. And this is not what showing honor looks like. So I'll say it again. This is just 
homework for you guys. If you're leaders, if you are leaders, supervisor, managers, uh, uh, business owners, parents here in the room, study the difference between honor and flattery. And then build a culture of honor in your families, in your businesses, because it'll help you. It'll help you not only to discern between the two intentions and be able to separate the wolves from the sheep, but it'll also free you, free you to honor people. Not only honor people above you, but also honor people who are under you, who are under your authority. So that's an important, important uh, distinction right there that needed to be made, made before we move on. This is another guidance that we find in scriptures when it comes to honor in relationships. Romans 12, chapter, 10, uh, chapter 12, verse 10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. <coughs> Outdo one another in showing honor. What do we learn from this? That it is never inappropriate to honor. It's never inadequate to honor. It's never inappropriate to prefer another person or to lift another up. But I'll say this. It takes security and confidence to honor somebody. Because you are putting the focus on somebody else. So it takes you not comparing yourself. Not measuring the, measuring the other person by yourself. Not feeling threatened by their abilities or success. By what you are lifting up in their lives. But honor is a great, great quality. It's a great virtue that we should have in our relationships. Honor is much better than complaining. Honor is much better than ragging on each other. Honor is much better than criticizing. And like I said, it takes confidence to do that, to honor other people. Now, I believe that we're meant to be a community that honors well. There were meant to be a community that, that practices this virtue, this value well. Imagine the difference that this could make in our communities. Imagine the difference that it could make in your life, in your relationships, if you choose to embed everything that you do with honor. I think that there's a, there, there's a, a, a thirst in the world today to be honorable. Everybody wants to be honorable. Everybody wants to be honored but, but, but people, mo I, I should say this, that those who are seeking to be honorable rarely are honoring. And that is something that we need in our lives. We should, we should seek to be honoring. And because when you are honoring, people will honor you back and you will become honorable. The two go hand in hand. So let's commit to be honorable people. And also honoring People. So I have three principles I want to share with you today, and we're going to get to the thick of it. Um, and uh, we find these principles in a passage uh, uh, relating to the story of Noah. Now, Noah is someone whose life is overshadowed by his ability to build massive boats. Noah had an incredible ability to build a massive boat. He was given instructions and turned it into a floating zoo in the Old Testament. But that was about a year of his life actually living in the boat. It took him some 70 or 80 years to build it. But what you might not know is that Noah lived a long time. So there's a lot more to his life than, than, than the flood. Even though that is a big, big piece of his story. Uh, scripture says that Noah became a dad at the age of 500. He started having kids at 500. He waited a little bit. He, was, he didn't want to rush into it. <laughs> You know, to which my wife says, we should have done that. No, I'm kidding. We love our babies. They're awesome. 
And when he had his kids, about a hundred years later, the flood came and then the flood subsided. And then after the flood, this happened. And it's a powerful passage from where we're going to draw our lessons, our principles for honor today. Genesis chapter 9, verses 20 through 27. I'm reading from the ESV version. It says this, that Noah began to be a man of the soil and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, that's his son, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew that his youngest son had done what his youngest son had done to him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. The first thing that we see in this scripture is that honor is a choice. It's a very simple idea, but it's something that we need to keep in mind. Honor is a choice. It is our choice. Honor is our choice. It's easy to honor when we see people doing good. It's easy to honor when you see people doing the right thing. But it's when a fault is seen. It's when something happens that gives us the choice of honor, that honor is really, really valuable. See, so you and I, we will see people in our lives more than once have moments of nakedness. We will see people in our lives, those closest to us, act, make choices, behave in ways that are not their best. And we ourselves, too, will go through that. So this passage of Noah is not really an excuse for us to go like, oh, well, we all get drunk, so to speak, and naked, so to speak, from time to time. So, you know, I guess that's okay. No, it's not a, a, a passage to excuse our faults and mistakes. But it is a passage where we can draw a lesson on how to behave when we are faced with such a situation. And there's a powerful, powerful lesson here for our lives. You will find that people closest to you, especially those closest to you, will be, so to speak, drunk and naked from time to time. They will be drunk in their anger. They will be drunk in their lust. They will be drunk in their weaknesses. They will be drunk in their shortcomings. And from time to time, you will see their nakedness, so to speak. You will walk into a moment of drunkenness. Well, they will be vulnerable. They will be exposed. They will be exposed in a light. That is not the most flattering. And probably in a way that if they were to be seen by anybody else who's not as close to them as you are, it wouldn't be good for them. And at that moment, at that moment, you will have a choice. You will have a choice to make it known, to turn around and go tell others like Ham did. Or to do like his brothers did, to recognize the moment, 
to recognize what's happening and cover it. And that is what honor does. Honor says I will turn my back on somebody's drunkenness. I will turn my back on their deficiencies. Not because I want to ignore it or overlook it, but because I will choose not to see them in that light. I know that they are better than that. I know who they really are. And I will turn my back on their deficiencies. And I will choose to cover their mistakes. You're not saying I am ignoring the problem. You're saying I will choose not to see you in this light. And we're going to get through this together. Because we get to hear stories, a lot of stories, because of what, because of what we do, Alini and I, because of what we do as pastors. We get to hear a lot of stories uh, of people who are, you know, going through tough things in their lives. They, 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 they are not always the most flattering stories. People come, thank you, sir. People come to us with stories of their lives when they're at their worst. And sometimes you can even see the pain in their eyes when they're sharing part of their lives. And we, we, we've talked to a lot of people, and they come to us, and they open their hearts, and they share their story. And we have learned this principle. We have learned to turn our backs in that moment, so to speak, and be able to separate what they did from who they are. Turn our backs on their nakedness, not to ignore it, but to cover it, to help them recover, to cover it. Because when you cover somebody else's shortcomings, you help recover them. It's a moment of drunkenness. It's a moment of nakedness. And my encouragement to you today is to choose honor. It's in the moment where you, were, you are depicted with an opportunity to either share and tell the world of somebody's faults and mishappenings, you can choose to. You know what? I'm going to do the honorable thing. I'm going to cover their nakedness and help them recover. I'm going to cover their faults and help them recover, especially those closest to you. This is very valuable, especially for those closest to you. For wives and husbands in the room, cover your spouse. When they make a mistake, don't, don't be the one who is the first to expose it. You will not believe what he did. Let me tell you. No. Cover it and help recover. Let's cover each other's faults. This is a good question for you to ask yourself in those moments. What is the honorable thing to do? Have this question in your heart. What is the honorable thing to do? Not simply, oh, I got a hot piece of news and I will, I, I, I can share it. I, I have knowledge here that, that can, uh, no. What is the honorable thing to do? And I can tell you that the honorable thing to do is to cover and help recover. The second thing that we learn from this passage is this simple imperative. Don't be a ham. Just don't be a ham. And I'll have a story to illustrate. We, when we were living in Houston, we talked to a lot of people and they, we counseled a lot of people. Most of them were single young adults and because that's the ministry that we were engaged in. And uh, we, I remember one time when a, a close friend of ours, she was a female, so she confided in Alini and something that she was struggling with. It was something that she was battling. It was, it was a behavior that she was battling. And she was struggling with that, opened up to Alini and said, hey, I need accountability and I need prayer. So I needed to be 
uh, uh, with me in this? And Alini was like, all right, I'm with you. And so I remember Alini coming home that day and saying, uh, babe, our so-and-so, our friend, uh, she's going through something. I can't really tell you what it is because she confided in me. And, uh, but just know that she needs prayer. We're going to pray for her. And she, I'm going to be in touch with her and, and trying to walk her through this thing. And we're like, all right, let's pray for her. You know, God, God will get her through this. Well, a few weeks later, that same friend went to another leader in, in the department there that we worked in and opened up to that leader over coffee or a conversation. And immediately after the conversation was done, that leader came straight to Alini's desk and said, you will not believe what I just heard. And Alini already knew, but she, you know, she was like, what? She didn't know what it was about. And she just was like, can you believe that so-and-so is, is battling with this and this and this and that? And that kind of it was such a sad moment for us. Because we did not expect for that person to come to us and share something that the other, the other person was in a vulnerable moment. And now you're exposing their nakedness, exposing their drunkenness. Instead of looking to recover, not only that, trying to... Keep her from serving and, and doing what she was doing at the church. And we learned a lesson that day. And the lesson that we learned is that hams can't see you naked. <laughs> Sounds funny. But hams can't see you naked. They can't handle it. And some people cannot handle your nakedness. And here's my encouragement for you today. you got to keep the hams away from your tent. All right? Keep the hams away from your tent. Not everybody can handle your nakedness. And you do not need people in your life who will look at your nakedness, turn around, and go tell the world. You don't need people in your life whose first reaction is to tell others that you are naked and drunk instead of covering you in the moment that you need covering. You've got to surround yourself with some Shams and Japheths. And bid your hams goodbye. See, a ham will send a text message. Did you see? A ham will give a phone call and go like, you will not believe what I just saw. A ham will expose, have no regard for your vulnerability. So keep the hams out and don't be a ham. Can you look at somebody and say, don't be a ham. Don't be a ham. Here's what I think it's interesting. Ham was the one who uncovered, not only uncovered, but who exposed his father. Ham was the one who walked in, saw his dad naked and drunk. And instead of helping him, went out and said, you will not believe what I just saw. Dad is wasted. And he is naked in his tent. Come on and see, man. But it was Canaan. His son, who was cursed. And I wrestled with that when I first read this a few, uh, many years ago. I was like, God, why was Canaan cursed? Ham was the one who did it. Ham was the one who walked in. What does the kid have anything to do with that? But this is a principle. This is a principle that we need to learn. That when we act like a ham, when we act like ham, everything we produce, the fruit of our lives, will be affected. What comes out of you will be affected. 
When you choose not to cover. This is a powerful, powerful principle in scriptures that if we learn, my God, our families can be healed. My God, our communities can be healed. If we choose to cover people's mistakes and see them recovered instead of exposing them and shaming them, there's a blessing for your life when you do that. There's a blessing for your posterity when you do that. There's a blessing for you to rise higher, but for your children too. Everything will go well in your life when you choose to honor and here's the third and my last point is that honor sets the price. Honor sets the price. The word honor in the New Testament, in every single one of those passages that we, we read before in the New Testament, means this a valuing by which the price is fixed. And I love this definition because honor means this. Your price is fixed. Your price is set. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter your mistakes. Your value is untouched. Your value is set. And this is a principle, like I said, that I learned from my dad as a kid. I didn't realize how deep this was when I was a little boy. But as a kid, I've shared this here before, that I didn't have a relationship with my paternal grandfather, my dad's dad. I, I, don't, I don't have any memories of me playing with him, talking to him, nothing. Because he was always, always drunk. He was an alcoholic. He was a severe alcoholic. He was a dependent. And they tried everything. They tried to keep him out of alcohol. But it was, he was in too deep. Whenever they tried to ration his alcohol, he would go into the kitchen cabinet. And he would drink cleaning products to get the, get the edge off. He was really, really deep into it and I have no memory or recollection of me playing or talking to him and I realized that after my daughter was born because my daughter has a great relationship with her grandfather parents and with her grandfather both of them but I, I looking at her I realized I don't have any of those memories I've never done that and it was it was, it was interesting because at the same time that I realized that, I realized that I had no resentment in my heart. I had no, no guilt in my heart. I had no, nothing that I hold against my grandfather or held against my grandfather in my childhood. And I was wondering why. So just thinking back on how I viewed my grandfather, I realized that it was because of my dad and this was probably one of the most poignant lessons that I've learned from my father there are many lessons I learned from my father but the lesson of honor I have never heard my dad say one thing or complain say one complaint against my, my grandfather ever through it all through all the battles that they suffered as a family that now I realize oh my gosh that day that my dad rushed out of the house at 9.30 at night, picked up my grandma, and she came to spend the week with the grandkids at home because she missed us, was really because my grandfather came home drunk and was breaking everything, and she was afraid for her life. But my dad never exposed my grandfather's nakedness. He worked with him. He talked to him. He tried to get him to uh, recover, but never, never uncovered his nakedness every time we would go to the grocery store all, all of us kids the four of us we knew we get into the grocery store it's one cart for us and one cart for grandpa 
Grandpa lived in uh, social security income. My dad was making good money at the time. And at the grocery store, we knew everything we buy, we buy two. One for us, one for Grandpa. Milk, one for us, one for Grandpa. Rice, one for us, one for Grandpa. And before we even go home to, to, to take our groceries into our pantry, we would go to Grandpa's house and drop off his groceries because my dad chose to honor him and never, ever expose. To this day, my dad will not say a thing against his father. And I realized that it's the same principle that we learn from Noah, the story in Noah. Because my dad honored his father, I was blessed. And I learned this principle to cover people's mistakes. I have no resentment against my, my grandfather. I actually have funny memories of him. And my, my encouragement to you today is that you would live with this mindset. But how, how can you do that? How can you look at somebody who's living life and making poor choices and still honor them? Because that's the question, right? I'm not talking about situations where you are being harmed. Situations where you are in, 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 a, in a place where you, you're vulnerable and, and your life is at risk. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about situations where you are working through somebody's problem somebody's mistake and you have a choice to either help them recover and do what you can to see them in the best light or to expose them and to curse them I realized that my dad lived in this principle that my grandfather's price in his eyes was fixed it didn't matter what my grandfather did or didn't do his price was fixed and this is the way that we have to see our lives and those around us. No matter what they do, no matter how good or bad they are, this is the way that we can be honoring people. We can look at everyone in our lives and come to the sinner that their price is fixed. Not by the world, not by their actions, but my Almighty God. Almighty God has fixed their price, not with gold, not with silver, but with the life of his own son. And Jesus came into the world and he said, you were worth me dying for. But not only you, your sibling, your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter, they were worth the blood of Jesus. And if they were worth the blood of Jesus, that's their value. That's their price. And they are worth honoring. So don't give up on our loved ones. Don't give up on those in your life who might, you might think that they are too far gone. You might think that there's no way for them to recover. You know what? You be the one who cover their faults. You be the one who help them recover by covering their faults. And you will see you will see a blessing in your life. Even if you don't see the results in this life, the blessing will be reaped by your sons and your daughters and your grandsons and your granddaughters. This is a promise from Almighty God. My grandfather died of cirrhosis, of, of diseases related to his drinking and his smoking. But in the last couple weeks of his life, he was lucid. And he spent the last two weeks singing hymns, praying, and giving his life to God. He had 
had a faith early in his life. And I remember my dad and that moment just losing his own father and, and but being able to look back and, 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 and be confident that he did his best that he honored his dad well and that's my encouragement with you to, for you today that we may be people that honor well and we may be living by this principle knowing that it is our choice is our choice to to honor or to expose knowing that we are called not to be hams we are called to honor people and knowing that people's prices are fixed not by their misbehaviors not by what they are doing wrong but by the blood of Jesus do you receive it this morning amen why don't you stand with me